Jesus said, love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. John 13, 34. We as Christ's church belong to him who gave us this command. We are called by him and drawn to him because of his love for us. It is this love for us that is the basis of this command. It's really quite a tall order, right up there with be holy as I am holy, and be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We tend to want to dumb things down. We think, nobody's perfect. That's true. But God was serious when he spoke these commands. He doesn't mix words. We need to feel the full weight of these commands, yet always knowing that we walk by grace in the power of the Holy Spirit. So considering our need of grace for this and all that he calls us to, let's pray for his help. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us to understand these things and helps us to live them. Please work on us this morning. Give us insight and understanding. Give us hearts to obey as we study your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I will be preaching from 1 John 2, verses 7 through 11. Let me read that now. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is God's holy word. My outline for this passage will take the form of three questions. One, what does it mean that this command is both old and new? That's verses 7 and 8. Number two, what does it mean to love and what does it mean to hate our brother? That will be in verses 9, 10, and 11. And three, how do we grow in this love? And that will be our conclusion or application. Verse 7 Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment. John addresses them as his beloved. The Apostle John loves these people, this church, his brothers and sisters in Christ. It is clear from this letter that John is living out this command to love one another. His concern is for their good, to build them up, to strengthen them in the faith. What does it mean that this is an old commandment? It is from the beginning. As long as the gospel has been preached, this command has been passed on to the disciples. 
It's what the apostles did, and it's what we do. When someone comes to faith in Christ, we teach them how to live this new life. We teach them the old commands, all that Jesus commanded us to do. As followers of Christ, we walk in the old paths that God has ordained from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. How is this command old? God's word is sure. It does not change. Malachi 3.6 tells us, For I, the Lord, do not change. God does not change his mind. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So because it's an old command, we have assurance. And the Apostle John wanted his people to have assurance. All that we put our hope in, God and his word, it will never pass away. It will never change. The world hates it. Hell rages against it. Disasters come and go. Wars devastate. Nations rise and fall. But the word on which we stand remains. The people of God will never be put to shame. The Bible stands, all of it. No public opinion, no teachings of ignorant men will ever make it invalid. So what does it mean that this is an old commandment? Jesus gave it just before he died for his people, for us who believe. It has been from the beginning. It has come from the mind of the eternal God. It stands rock solid, and it will never change. Verse 8, a new command. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. So what does it mean that this is a new commandment? I have four things. One, this commandment is new in Christ because it is manifested in a way it has never been before. In Christ, the Father's love is on display in all its fullness. Romans 5.8 For God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's new in a qualitative sense. It is true in him. This quality is seen in Jesus' relationship with the disciples. Even though he was Lord, he did not demand to be served. Even though he was going to pay the infinite price for our salvation, he did not demand some kind of repayment. Even though he was morally perfect, he patiently bore the sins and weaknesses of the disciples. He prayed for them, he comforted them, and then he laid his life down for them. Two, this commandment is new in us as a new creation in Christ. We love because we have been born of God. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. 
And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Just like an apple tree grows apples, we love because we are the children of God. And, it, and as his dearly loved children, we seek to imitate him. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 commands us, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Three, it is new because the Holy Spirit is working in us love, this godly love that we are, we are to have for one another, considering the needs of others is more important than our own. It asks, how can I serve my brother? How can I serve my sister? How can I lay my life down and build them up? In Hebrews chapter 10, we are commanded to gather together considering how we may stir one another up towards love and good works and to encourage one another in anticipation of the day of our Lord's return. And four, this command is new because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Perfection has not yet come to us. We are not yet sinless and we do not yet love perfectly. But we do fight sin. We do put it to death by the power of the Spirit. So also we love and are growing in that love because the true light, that is Christ, is already shining in our hearts and the darkness is slowly but surely passing away. He will one day, we will one day love one another perfectly just as Jesus loves us perfectly. So how is this a new command? This love we are commanded to have for one another is new in Christ and new in the Spirit's work in us, perfecting this love in the image of the Son. Verse 9, He who hates his brother. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, is still in darkness. What is it to hate our brother? The words, whoever says, is a mere profession, and not necessarily a possession of saving faith. One can say they believe in Jesus, but are they born of the Spirit? Do they bear the fruit of love? The one in darkness can't see his true condition. He can't see what is truly good for others. He does not live for the glory of God. What did this hate for the brothers look like in John's day? From this letter, we get the picture of those whose concern was for themselves, their pleasures, their destructive teachings, even denying Christ unaware that they were bringing destruction upon themselves and those who followed them into darkness. There's no love in a lie. There's no true love in darkness. People in darkness, those outside of Christ, they have a love. They have natural affections. They can be very nice, but they don't have a love for the glory of God. They don't have a love 
according to the work of the Spirit. So what does it mean to hate our brothers? Hatred for our brothers is a malice absent of godly affections, and it tears others down in opposition to the light that is in all who belong to Christ. It is incapable of, and even opposed to, doing any good, any true good in the church. Verse 10, he who loves his brother. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. What does it mean to love our brother? Our love for one another is the mark of the one who abides in the light. John uses the term light and truth and Christ interchangeably. If you're in the light, you're in the truth. If you're in the truth, you're in Christ. All who are in Christ, who are saved, who have trusted in him, love the brethren. And because of this love, there is no cause for stumbling. As this love works in our lives, it becomes a factor for keeping us from sin and also for strengthening one another in our pursuit of holiness. Love for God and love for our brothers and sisters will compel us to walk in obedience. Two things I would like to point out in this regard. One, obedience to God. We are told in 1 John 5, 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. God makes known to us his word how we are to walk. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Psalm 119, verse 105. God's commands compel us to two things, love for God and love for others, especially the saints. And two, our love for one another will cause us to be careful not to do those things which may cause our brother to stumble. Love makes us careful that we don't wound another's conscience by what we do or say. Even though it may be permissible, it may not be beneficial. Love is concerned about building others up and avoids that which would run the risk of tearing them down. As God's holy people, we walk with one another in genuine heartfelt love and concern. So what does it mean to love our brother? In loving one another, we seek God's good purpose for them. We walk in obedience so that we would be a means of encouragement, useful for building one another up. Verse 11, the unbeliever in darkness. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Unless the Holy Spirit illumines the mind of the unbeliever, they continue in darkness. No matter how much head knowledge a person has, there is no true light 
apart from the gracious work of the Holy Spirit through His Word. They may read the Bible, go to a church. They may even live reasonably moral lives. But God, but until God makes them alive in Christ, changing their heart and affections, renewing their minds, granting them repentance unto life, they are like a man who doesn't even know he's blind. They may think they know where they are going and confidently declare it, but arriving there is an impossibility. The world talks of heaven or some mystical better place, but apart from Christ, it is all empty boasting and self-deception. God, the Holy Spirit, turns haters into lovers by the gospel. All who call on Christ and trust in him are transformed. Self-improvement won't cut it. We must be born again. Only Christ cleanses from sin. Only the Holy Spirit makes us new. It doesn't happen all at once, but it happens. This is hope. This is the hope for all who are in darkness. Christ crucified for our salvation. So what does it mean to hate our brothers? It is to continue in darkness and unbelief with only a regard to ourselves, denying the eternal consequences of sin, of what sin does to ourselves and to others. So finally, how do we grow in this love for one another? First, I want to look at it from the negative side. What sins do we need to fight against? What must we avoid? And then from the positive, I want us to focus on the reality of who we are in Christ now and what we will be in glory. So what sins work against love? This is not a comprehensive list. I have two things. Bitterness, envy, jealousy, and spite. These, these sins, they all kind of go together. They're all, they're all related. Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. The command, see to it that no one obtains the grace of God, this is love for the brethren. But bitterness, envy, jealousy, and spite, these sins can do so much damage among us. Like an aggressive cancer, it spreads, defiling many. If we let these sins take hold, our love can quickly go cold, grow cold, and die. And two, the sin of unforgiveness. We are commanded in 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Holding a grudge over an offense can cause great damage. Someone says something that offends us, maybe unintentional, it may be intentional. 
and we're hit with that temptation to retaliate. But love overlooks such things. Love reconciles. Love prays for that person and seeks God's blessing. Love confesses to God these sinful inclinations and puts them to death by the power of the Spirit. So the bottom line is, if it's not building others up and caring for the needs of others, whether spiritual or physical, it's probably working against love. So always, always keep a close watch over our hearts. In all humility, in all humility let us submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then from the positive side, how can we grow in this love for one another? We should always keep in mind who and what our brothers and sisters are in Christ and what they will one day become in glory. I have three things. One, loved by God. We are loved by God. Consider the love that God has for each individual believer. Everyone who is in Christ was loved by God and chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless in Him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit set their love upon us to save us and gather us together for their glory. When we consider how much the Father loves us, that's the people we gather with together every Sunday, by the way. That he did not spare his only son, but freely gave him up for us all. How does that affect the way we see each other? If we can't love our brother who we do see, how can we love our God who we don't see? I want us to think about this as we gather again together in the coming weeks, as we gather together anytime. We need to let the weight of this sink in. God's love, this unfathomable love, has been lavished upon us. How can we not love one another? perfected in Christ. We are all being perfected in Christ. Consider the fact that all Christians will one day be perfected in the image of Christ. We will one day be glorious, sanctified with a godly beauty that will far surpass any beauty or attractiveness in this world. God the Holy Spirit is at work in us and will complete that work. As John declares in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, 
And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The day is coming with absolute certainty when God's work in us will be complete. We will perfectly reflect the glorious image of our great God and Savior. In that day, we will behold the glory of the immortal God and we will behold the glory of one another. God's perfect work in each one of us. So let's consider the image of Christ in each one of us now and seek to love one another accordingly. And three, fellowship with the triune God. Let's think about how this, how this love that God has called us into. Jesus said in John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. All who are in Christ are in this intimate relationship with God. The only human relationship that even comes close is that relationship, that intimacy between a husband and a wife. We are the bride of Christ. And he has taken us to himself and brought us into this glorious love relationship with the triune God. Think of it. We have, brought it, we have been brought into a family, a truly perfect family, where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit love one another perfectly. They delight in one another. They want nothing more than to bring glory to one another. The Son delights to exalt the Father. The Father delights to exalt the Son. And the Spirit delights in revealing this exquisite glory to us all. We look forward to this never-ending fellowship of loving the triune God, being loved, and loving each other perfectly. And so, dear brothers and sisters, today and every day, let us love one another as our Lord Jesus loves us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this revelation of your love for us. Help us to love one another deeply, earnestly, sincerely, as you have loved us, as our Lord Jesus has loved us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.